Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of this podcast, Men. As always, I want to thank you for taking time and checking out the show. If this is your first time coming across the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, I want to say welcome. I'm glad you're here. Uh, We really try to equip men to be men of God in in many ways, trying to change the conversation about what a man of God is, not not to create something new, but to create something biblical. Let's go back to the Bible. Let's talk about the principles in the Bible, and let's let's pursue the heart of God. Let's work on being men of God who who love Jesus well. We strive to follow Him. We're we're, we're driven by you know the Holy Spirit's conviction and leading in our life. Uh, we su- submit and surrender to the authority of God. We love our wives well. We love our kids well. That doesn't mean we have this figured out, but doggone it, we're going to give it our best effort. Right, we're going to give it our best effort to be uh, the men that God has has equipped us to be, and and we really do believe that we can build better men together. This is not some secret club for for guys where we have these you know um, eagle scouts for grown men. This is a place where we strive to equip men. But the ultimate goal is to get you to Jesus. But one of the ways that we believe getting you to Jesus helps is getting you around other solid men of God, other men of God who. I believe all have something to add to the conversation, but we, if we're humble enough and honest enough, we got a whole lot we can take away. And every time I get in a conversation with some brothers in Christ and I listen to them share the word and I hear their heart and I hear you know what they're working through, whether it's victories or struggles, it's just a great encouragement and yet conviction at the same time. And that's the, the, the launching pad for today's conversation. I want to talk about um, reading the Bible and juxtaposing that with prayer. How do we read the Bible, and how does that work with our prayer life? As men, we need to be in the Word of God. I don't know how people try to navigate this life without being in the Bible on a regular basis, okay? I do not consider myself a a great theologian. I'm not going to get into a deep argument with you about end times or Greek words or any of those things. But reading the Bible, living my life through the lens of a biblical worldview, I don't know how if this is you, I don't know how you get through the days and get through sometimes the minutes without having that that anchor for your soul. I, I just don't know how you do it. There's so many things being thrown at us, messages and uh, contradictions, and, and and even Christians, people that we you know, consider themselves Christians. There's some strange theology out there, right? And so there's some things that look really good. There's some things that can sound really good. I think it's it was 2 Corinthians 5, and I might be messing that up, where it talks about, you know, Satan masquerading as an angel of light and and you know the things that he does can look good there's a lot of things there's a lot of messages that can sound really good really promising but how do you know if they're true just because they feel good or you like it or it seems like yeah why not that doesn't mean it's true so I want my life to be about about truth so I need to get in the Bible and then I have this conviction of of prayer and I, at most guys that I've talked to we would all agree um yeah I I, I need to work on that it's not that we're not praying. It's not that we're not praying for certain things or that we're not seeking God's guidance, but I think it's one of those things where we're always going to be reminded that it's a conversation with the Almighty, and we we are just scratching the surface. So with that, it, it can be we can be very easily defeated when it comes to prayer, and I think Satan loves that. I think Satan loves to guilt you on your prayer life um, because he knows if he can guilt you on your prayer life, you're defeated before you even begin. Right, 
I would say a conversation with God, even if it's you're getting in the monotonous region, is better than no conversation with God. I think your wife and kids would say that. A monotonous conversation with you is at least better than having no conversation. So let's 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 at least start a conversation, but let's really think about what we're saying, why, why we are saying it, and who we're saying it to. So uh, there's just four bullet points here. This is not a long podcast, at least that's the intent, not to be a long podcast, but four things that I want to encourage you to consider as you approach Scripture and, and comparing that, juxtaposing that with your prayer life. So how do I take Scripture, how do I take what's in the Word, and then how do I incorporate that into my prayer life or into my, my daily life, right? I was going through some just mundane things the other day, and I thought about I was washing my hands. I could thank God for water. Well, he's, you know, Jesus is living water, okay? And so then then there's a light. Okay, Jesus is the light of the world. I mean, there's things that we can always be reminded of, of Scripture, but that it's so easy to not. So four things, four things to consider when you approach Scripture that, um, you know, listen, I can take this to the nth degree, and I will admit that. I've already taken it a little too far, so I'm going to throttle it back in my own mind. And I don't have this completely flushed out where it's really, really simple. But these are four things that I consider and go to Scripture. I'm looking at a couple examples right now in front of me, but the first one would be the promises of God. The promises of God. When you come across a promise of God, do you write that down? Do you pray that to God? Do you highlight it if you if you mark in your Bible? Do you have a journal? Do you write that down? So for me, these are in colors. Again, that's why I say I could take this too, way too far. So I just want you to consider it. So when you read something that is a promise of God, uh, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Or um, you know Genesis two sixteen where he talks about it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a a helper suitable for him. That is a forever thing for God, okay? That's something that we can take forever with him, right? Um, Genesis 2.24, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and, hold, and, and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. That, that, that's, that's a promise of God that he says, this is why this is better than what you want to choose on your own. So I look at that and say, okay, what's the point of me highlighting, marking it up, writing down the promises of God? Because it's so easy to believe the, uh, the lies of the evil one. It's so easy to buy into the narratives that are being thrown at us and our children all the time. So if we don't know the promises of God, then we just go by what we think or feel. I've said it before. Nobody cares how you feel. I know it might hurt your feelings. I remember telling someone that once and it hurt their feelings, but they really don't. They really don't care how you feel. There's, there's a lot of things that are agenda-based, and we are offering so much of ourselves to all these different agendas. And they're, they're, they're just chewing us up and spitting us out. And then, we, then we're left exhausted, weary, broken. We got broken relationships. We got broken, you know, marriages. We got broken parent-child relationships. We got, you know, we're jumping churches every three to four years. We got all these things. It's all brokenness. What happened? We didn't hold fast to the promises of God. Those things are forever. We don't manipulate them and we don't use them as, you know, uh, 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 something to win an argument. We hold fast to them. We hold fast to the promises of God. Number two, the attributes of God. The attributes of God. So if you went through the, the creation account, there's a few things that stand out. And I made this blue. Okay, again, you don't have to do this. So promises of God were red. Attributes of God were blue. Um, God is a creator. Okay, ex nihilo. He created uh, everything out of nothing, which... Quite impressive. Um, he is a light giver. That's verse three. Let there be light. So God gives light. That's an attribute of God. God shines light in the midst of darkness. When Jesus came to earth, he was a light that had shone in the darkness, and the darkness had not overcome it. Light is consistently 
connected to God in, in a good way. So um, he is a life giver. He made us out of dust and breathed life into our nostrils. Um, he knit us together before we ever uh, set foot on, on you know, dry ground. So he's, he's a creator. He's a life giver. He's a light giver. Um, and he's an affirmer. In Genesis 1, you see over and over that God's seeing things and saying they're good. That's good. That's good. Except for man being alone. Okay, we're going to fix that. God affirms. God's, you know, God makes it clear. I'm setting before you today life and death, a blessing and a curse. God affirms these things and says, this is what is good. This is what is bad. And then we go back to Genesis 3 and, and go, did God really say that? And we have these strange arguments. You don't have to look far to find some really strange theology or strange opinions about God, or about Jesus. Every once in a while, there'll be somebody new pop up and think they have this great revelation about Jesus or God or the Bible. Didn't you know, and didn't you know, they just found out, and they just... You're talking 2,000 years since Jesus left this left the earth, and his followers gave everything that they were and that they are for this message of the resurrection, that he is alive. Not one of them moved off that message, and for countless centuries men and women have given their life for this message that the resurrection changes everything and suddenly someone who's been on the earth for 22 years will say this is new this is something you need to hold on to baloney okay so i'm going to write down the promises of god when i come across them and i'm going to write down the attributes of god i want to remember these things about god i want to remember that he gives light why because sometimes we are wandering in darkness. I want to remember that he makes our path straight. I want to remember that he prepares a table for you in the presence of our enemies, right? I want to remember these attributes of God, and I'm going to write them down, and I'm going to work them into my prayer life. Number three, I want to write down, and I do this in brown, I want to write down and highlight and mark up the application of the word. So let me back up. We have the promises of God, the attributes of God, and the application of the Word. We can get into these rabbit trails where we can study something just to the, the nth degree. Um, what was it? Psalms chapter 2, I think it was verse 6. The one enthroned in heaven laughs and the Lord scoffs at them. Um, I got on a little bit of a rabbit trail today looking at that and looking at Zion and looking at different, you know, this idea that God has already set his king, the Messiah, who's going to reign and rule forever, right? Well, it, it didn't take long before I got into some commentaries and I thought, oh, I could be here quite a while. There's nothing wrong with doing that. There's nothing wrong with getting into these commentaries. I think it's a good thing. I think most people don't do that. I think it's a good thing to find out, okay, what does that word um, you know, scoff really mean? Or what does, I think we can get an idea, but I'm using that as an example. I think it's a good thing to do that. I think most people don't do that. I think we read it, we close it, we go about our day. So I want to say, what is the application of that, right? Psalms 1 talks about uh, our delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So how do I, how do I find a way that I'm fixing to meditate on the law of the Lord day and night? I need to write it down. I need to get in front of me. I need to keep the Bible open. I need to make sure that I'm having these conversations with my wife, my children, whatever. I need to find application to the word or I will become spiritually constipated. Everything that went in, nothing went out. That's a miserable place to be. And you know these people. You know these people because they can get you into some kind of scripture samurai move here. And they, they would love to talk about the deep things of scripture. And you look at their life and you're like, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit from, from your life? You know everything and do nothing. I think it was Vodi Bakum who said, when all is said and done, there will be more said than done. 
I think that's him. It may not have been him, but I think there's a lot of saying and not a lot of doing. And I think that's what's happening on social media. A lot of posting, not a lot of not, not, a lot of, not a lot of action, right? We're sitting on our $1,000 phones in our climate-controlled houses, drinking our overpriced coffee, telling the world how bad they are. How about you get up and go do something? How about you make a disciple? How about you evangelize the lost? How about you feed the homeless? How about you take it? You know, how about you take care of those who are oppressed and overlooked and the marginalized? Do that. Take care of the widows and orphans. Do that. Get off Facebook and go do that. Don't have to announce to the world that you did it. Don't have to blow a trumpet that you're leaving social media. You just do it. You just do it, but there's a lot more said than actually done. So I want to look at the application of the word. Like, what can I do with that? I was reading Nehemiah chapter two today, where all these different people uh, using uh, whatever, using their willingness, not even skillfulness, their willingness to help rebuild this wall. And I thought, okay, there's some things I need to consider here. In, in what ways am I trying to use my skillfulness over my willingness? You say, well, I'm really good at X, Y, Z. Well, that's all I do then. You know, I don't hold babies in the nursery. I don't, I don't take out the garbage. I don't wash dishes. Why? Because I'm up front and I'm a talker. That's not, what, that's not how God uses us, right? That's, that's, not, that's not at all biblical. But we bought into that, that that's my niche, that's my thing. Well, then do something with it. So I'm going to remember the promises of God because those are forever. I'm going to remember the attributes of God because that's most important. So if God created us in his image and I'm an image bearer of God, then I need to understand the image that I'm created in. Right? I need to get on the ancestry.com there and figure out, okay, what is my ancestry here? What is my what are the attributes of God that as an image bearer that I need to make sure that I'm holding on to? And number three would be the application of the word. I need to do something with it. And number four, man, I think this is so important right now. And I couldn't think of another way to 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 word this. So it might maybe you think of something different. This is where I'm at. Number four is the identity found in the word. And what I mean is, what does the word say about me? So if I'm made from dust and he breathed life into my nostrils, then I need to remember that. If I'm an image bearer, I need to remember that. If, if, if the righteous live a certain way, then I need to consider that. If, if I'm redeemed, then I need to know that. If Galatians 2.20, I no longer live, but Christ lives within me, I need to know that. Uh, Romans 6.4, if I've been buried with Christ, I'm raised to walk in a new life. Is my life new, or does it look a lot like the old one, just a little bit, you know, armor all just we put a little shine on it. But no, I need to walk in a new life. Do, do I believe that? Romans 8, 11, if the spirit that lives inside of me is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he too will give life to my mortal body. Well, do I live like I have immortality or am I terrified of the boogeyman? Right? There's a big difference there. So I need to find my identity found in the word because it's so easy to find our identity in other things. It's so easy to find my identity in, um, I was thinking this earlier that uh, my son was making fun of me last night, uh, which is fine. I don't care. Um, he's eight years old. That uh, my my um, subscriptions to YouTube. He's like, so-and-so has 7 million and this guy has 12 million. And I said, I have 481. He's like, why don't you have more people subscribe? I'm like, because I'm not a YouTuber, right? But but if I find my identity in subscriptions or downloads or whatever, boy, that's going to be rough. That's a rough way to go. If I find my identity in Instagram follows and who double taps a picture and who retweets something and, and my subscriptions and all those things, I would say my subscriptions and, and my podcast, the number, have dropped significantly in the last year. Now, part of that I thought was, well, less people commuting, so they're not listening. Um, now, I, I don't know. You know what? I, I really don't care. I really don't care because what I'm finding is as the message, as God is honing the message, the feedback I'm getting is from the guys that, I'll be honest, I'm trying to reach. Those are the guys I'm trying to connect with, right? So if you get 1,000 downloads and only two people are really bought into what's going on, what's the point, right? So I've seen this on social media. You get tons of followers, 
but there's no real engagement. There's no relationship there. I take the relationship any day over you buying a t-shirt from me any day. I would take the brotherhood any day over any of that stuff. I would. It's, it's, it's priceless. And that's why this stuff exists. And that's why it's important. Now, the, the shirts and mugs and stickers, and all this, I think it's great and it's fun. And, it, man, I'm humbled. Anytime someone buys any of that stuff, I am humbled by it. I really am. Um, because, listen, I, we don't have money just flowing out of our, our ears either. So uh, when I buy a shirt, whatever, I mean, it, I, I, I want to support that. I understand that. I say that because, listen, we want to get the message out. So shirts, hats, mugs, whatever those things, they do kind of help with that. Someone sees it and goes, okay, what is that? What's that about? They, they do help with that. I understand that. We want to help more men follow Jesus. I want to help change the narrative of what a Christian man looks like because I think we've, we've kind of made it really murky. Uh, I've said before, Chris, you know, heaven kind of needs a new PR team. We have, you know, fat babies in diapers playing a harp, sitting on a cloud in heaven. And most guys are like, yeah, I don't want to sign up for that. And we made hell this fun, like tailgate environment. Nope, that ain't it either. So let's let's do our best to give an accurate picture of what a, a Christian man is. Do they have to look like you, Jarrett? No, praise God they don't. Do they have to have the same skills or passions or hobbies? No. The common denominator is Jesus. That's it. That's it. So whether you have a beard or no beard, long hair, short hair, no hair, I, I, I could care less. Do you love Jesus? Is your wife and kids better for it because of Jesus? Is your church better because you love Jesus? Is your work environment better because of Jesus? I'll take that. So guys, that's, that's the point of this. Those four things that I consider, and I'll go back through it again, the promises of God, I have that in red. And, and I, again, I, I can make this really complicated. The attributes of God are in blue. So either way, if you don't do colors, just consider that. The promises, the attributes, and then the next two would be the application of the word. That's brown. And so what am I going to do with this? What was the point of me reading this? What's the point of me going, man, that's really good. I wrote it down in a journal. I highlighted it. I texted it to a friend. Okay, but am I going to do anything with it? And number four is the identity found in the word, and that's green for me. So the identity, I find that, I see that, and I say, okay, that tells me this is who I am. I don't have to get that from anyone else. This tells me this is exactly who you are. And I think if I spend more time looking for the promises of God, the attributes of God, the application of the word, and the identity found in the word, I just think I'm going to do a better job of living on mission, being focused, being mindful of who I'm around, the impact I'm supposed to make. At the end of the day, always keeping an eye on eternity always being ready. I said before, that was the end times view of the first church. Be ready. That's my view. That's my view. Be ready. Amen. So guys, I appreciate you listening to this podcast. As always, go to thepursuitofmanliness.com. A lot of stuff there to get engaged with. Make sure you check us out on Facebook. We got closed groups for Anchor and Sword, those in ministry. Point Man, uh, for those who are doing the Point Man uh, devotional Bible study for, with their their uh, kids and within their home, and then certainly the Pursuit of Manliness, uh, forgive me, closed group on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Pursuit of Manliness. And hey, if you want to go to YouTube and subscribe to my channel so my eight-year-old stops mocking me, that'd be fantastic too. So men, appreciate y'all listening. Let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.